everyone, and welcome back to Patch Notes. Um, I'm not going to say it's a recurring thing because we, whenever we do that, it's cursed. But we're uh, we're back in the saddle again. Uh, welcome this won't back. be the last one. That's the yeah. promise we're making. Yeah, there you go. That's a pretty good promise. It won't be the last one ever. Um, John, welcome, welcome back. It's oh, hey. very good to have you. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you too. Um, uh, hey, uh, you know, I always make fun of uh, your your fandom, and then you make yes. fun of mine. But both yes. of our baseball teams are in the uh, the postseason race. Yeah, um, which is uh, surprising. It is until you realize that, like, we we're now in basketball playoff time um, <laughs> with this wild card three. It doesn't set up. It doesn't yeah, matter. Like, so what we're playing, what they're playing for, uh, how the fuck are the playoffs actually um, structured this year? Because now there's three wild card teams. So you've Correct, got your yes. your three division winners, your three wild card teams. They picked um, a good time for it because it is a, like there are like a a lot of very good teams in baseball right now. Oh yeah, yeah, so many great teams like the Baltimore Orioles. Surprisingly um, good, Baltimore uh, Orioles. Yeah, I mean they are surprisingly good. The Orioles have been. Um, uh, perennial like fifty game winners, which which sounds great if you're thinking like basketball still. Oh, oh they win fifty games. No, there's 162 games. In yeah, it's really not great. Season. Um, um, and they thought that would be the same thing this year. In fact, they even traded Trey Mancini at the deadline. Yeah, uh, and Jorge Lopez, their closer, um, who is yeah. now with the Minnesota Twins and has turned back into a pile of bust of uh, dust and bones. Apparently, oh. Um, yeah, so they, uh, this offseason they only signed um, a guy named Jordan Lyles, who was formerly pitching for the Texas Rangers. Um, former former, uh, former Rockies. Uh, yeah, prospect, which a Rockies and a Rangers pitcher. Tells um, you all you need to know. Uh, and his job was to be the innings eater on the staff. So, of course, he has the most innings pitched uh, by, a, by a significant margin. He's the only pitcher on the club with over 100 innings pitched. Wow. Uh, we are in September, starting tomorrow, and he is the only pitcher on the club with over 100 innings pitched. Tyler, you guys Wells, doing the opener and stuff like that? Yeah, there. I mean, this. Yeah, so the guy running the Orioles front office, for those who don't know, this is a baseball podcast now. Yeah, we're doing, um, welcome, welcome to non fantasy sign baseball podcast, the least listened to thing on the internet. The guy who runs the Orioles front office is a guy named Mike Elias. He is the uh, he's the general. He's the executive vice president of baseball operations. He's notable for two things: mostly being the highest-ranking unpunished official in the 2017 Houston Astros cheating scandal. Innocent. Um, yeah, he was. He was merely. He he got by by being not investigated because he was already out of the franchise and over with the uh, Baltimore Orioles by that time. Um, and he is also notable for being a donor to the uh, campaign of one Ron DeSantis of Florida, um, who he is he notes is a is a friend. He did not say close friend, but they played together on the high school uh, the, the the college baseball team at Yale, um, which is why he says he keeps donating the max to the guys. Political campaign. It's a really weird thing. Like I feel like if I had a friend running for governor. And like they sucked, mm. um, I probably wouldn't donate all that much to their campaign. Yeah, no, I. I all right, so um, this was a while ago that I heard this, and I'm not going to say from who I heard it, but he, they, at, from the multiple sources actually, they are nationally connected baseball reporters. Um, that the word on on allies was that um, he was to the right of Alex Jones. Ooh, okay. Now, all right. To be fair, this was this was all this was 
this was not long enough ago that to the right of Alex Jones doesn't mean what it means now, now that I think about it. No, to the right of Alex Jones meant then exactly what it means right now. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, and, and no one's surprised by this. He's a, like a... a uh, an Ivy League Republican, like he's, he's a business baseball guy. executive. He was, like, he was how many McKinsey, baseball executives yeah. are making like righteous political decisions? Yeah. Um, so he's he's apparently a whole lot of fun. Uh, he's he's actually the sort of person that, um, uh, yeah. So so a guy like that takes over my team and then proceeds to lose on purpose for four years. You can understand how much I like the guy. You love him, um, yeah. Um, You're always saying I'm a big Elias guy. Yeah, I'm a big and, DeSantis guy. With Orioles ownership, uh, the family of Peter Angelos, the um, union lawyer, um, the union plaintiff's lawyer, mm-hmm. the man who made his fortune by suing um, asbestos companies or uh, construction companies for not properly safeguarding their workers uh, around asbestos. That's a good right out um, living. His family is now suing, like, members of the family are suing each other because. The direct scion of Peter, Peter Angelos is still alive, but he has, quote-unquote, stepped back from day-to-day operations because the guy's 92, and obviously he's... He's 92. Yeah, he's 92. Uh, he doesn't run his law firm anymore. He doesn't run the baseball team anymore. One of the sons runs the baseball team. One of the sons runs the law firm. Um, it's a pretty... Apparently, it's a pretty stark, like... The son he likes runs the baseball team. The fail son runs the law firm situation. Uh. Um, so the the principles in this relationship, this this family drama, uh, are the son John Angelos, who runs the baseball team on one side, uh, and he wants to, and he wants to keep the baseball team. Um, and sure, of course, the of course. the mother, their mother, and Angelos's wife, um, and the fail son Lewis want to sell the baseball team. Um, because that's the thing you do right now. They don't give a shit about baseball. John, uh, Peter Angelos was the one who loves baseball. John's the one who loves baseball now. Um, they want, you know, if you sell the Baltimore Orioles in that media market with that media penetration, with that stadium deal, with that oh yeah, you're going to make a lot of money. That's that's a that's a one point five billion dollars sale, uh, at least. That's the starting point, probably. But that's what you know. Given the media deals and all the, you know, you are now in the billionaire class. Right. Correct. Um, not John, though. John wants to move them to Nashville. <laughs> oh. Um, he wants to move them mm. to Nashville, where he is currently living with his country singer wife, um, who is not a country singer of actual note. She's one of these country singers who was uh, originally just John Angelus's wife, um, and an attractive blonde from Tennessee, I believe, or Kentucky, or wherever she's from. Uh, but her, her career, her career has been... Well funded, let's say that's what that's what you can say about it. The, her songs have re- received some placement um, in like TV, like you know, you know, when they license songs for television shows. Sure, of course, you know, right. right. Um, so yeah, his, the so basically, what Orioles fans are, are treated to right now is the team is sort of coming out of a medically induced coma um, where they've been for the last five years because. They decided instead of paying baseball players, they're going to do the the uh, ridiculous, uh, you know, uh, opus dei. We're going to whip ourselves with the with the um, with the with the lash on the back to prove our suffering and our you know, our virtuous abstention from all worldly pleasures uh, as we win like two hundred games combined over the next four years. It's, it's prosperity um, doctrine, buddy. Yeah, Just get get on board. 
And now that they're finally coming out of it and they're finally in the contention cycle and they're finally at a place where they should be signing the guys, now the ownership is falling into into squabbling. The team's probably either moving or getting sold. Um, it's probably moving regardless. Like um, Nashville, the Nashville move you probably You think they're really going to move? Baltimore's such I, a good media market. That's funny. Well, I th- well when I say Not move, thing. I mean move from Camden Yards. Um, oh, okay. All right. Now, well, they, yeah. they locked them in for another two years. With an, they signed a new lease, so they're here for at least the next two years. Um, and also got the city on the hook for a bunch of renovations, of course, because you know how they do. Um, but, you know, you're looking at one side wants to move to Nashville um, because he sees that as the next um, big unexploited market in the middle sure. of the country. Um, if you can't exploit a market, what are you doing? And the other side wants to sell to uh, hedge fund people, basically. Those are the only people who are buying teams right now. And I assume if one of those uh, organizations buys the Orioles, what they'll do is they'll look for a – they'll do what the Braves uh, ownership group did, which is look for a parcel of land to develop in Baltimore County, um, buy up all that land, move uh, – you know, strong-arm the local government in Baltimore County or Howard County even um, – because Howard County is is just a short drive on uh, 695 to 70, uh, I-70, out into the county. Um, strong arm, one of the, whichever local government's more receptive. And um, so get a bunch of tax breaks, kickbacks, government funding yeah. to build the, you know, the, the modern stadium facility plus real estate development project surrounding environs. Um, I, I, I'm not an expert on this stuff, so I don't know where they'd actually target. It seems like Catonsville, um, which is right on the, the beltway, the, the loop outside the city, has a lot of undeveloped land that they can just throw money and money and money and money at. Because a lot of it, like, um, so I went to high school, uh, to college in Catonsville, because uh, University of Maryland, Baltimore County's campus is right there at the, uh, on the on the 695 loop, okay. uh, and one of the deals with Catonsville is they don't want to be a college town. They hate. They, I don't want to say they hate. Well, yeah, they hate college kids. They're they're an older white suburb. Um, it's like yeah, Catonsville and, Ar- right? and Arbutus are right there. And Arbutus is basically like if you walked into a community where it was trying to pretend it was 1950 and hadn't stopped being 1950 uh, at any point in time. Um, since so a great then, place all- to go to school if you're into like. Big cars and like uh, the the members of the non uh, television universe Riverdale. All I'm saying is there is one minority business owner on the entire main strip. He ran a jerk a Caribbean chicken shop, and the entire four years I was there uh, as an undergrad there, the city council was trying to get him shut down. Um, and they okay. succeeded eventually uh, because he was yeah. also a drug dealer. Um, oh, well, I mean, <laughs> kind of set himself up there in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, probably. But I, I can't. Um, I can't completely blame him. Yeah, I mean he's he's a he's a you don't like. There's a thing about stereotypes, but if you're a Jamaican guy who was Bob Marley painted everywhere, and you sell jerk chicken, and you um, you know, and you're talking about Rasta this Rasta that, don't also deal weed. Just please, just you know. Someone's gonna find out. Yeah, those, like, those guys. Those guys in the town are immediately gonna jump to that. And like, you're, just, you're gonna, yeah. Like, come on, man. <laughs> um, I mean, no, but it was one, it was one of those drug fronts that was like, because you know the, the 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 joke is that like every drug front is actually a great. Uh, that's like a restaurant is actually a great restaurant. Yeah, because they don't have to care. Yeah, it was one of those. It was a fantastic place to get to get food. Uh, so we were obviously we were all sad when it went away, 
those of us who bought our weed there and those even and the, and those of us who didn't. Um, those of you who bought your chicken there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Naturally. This is yeah. So I could see them building a new stadium complex and stuff out there in the county. Um, now the nice thing about that would be you get a jerk chicken stand at the stadium. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, they wouldn't just um, move all of the extremely overpriced like cargo cult Baltimore foods in all caps um, out there just and just have Im- imitation crab uh, as far as the day is long um, in all sorts of places it shouldn't be like the beer. Um, it, you know, I, I, I'm making fun. It would be kind of cool to have the Orioles playing baseball games like 20 minutes from where I currently live. But yeah. the Orioles also play baseball games like 35 minutes from where I currently live already. And if I wanted to, the thing preventing me to go from going and seeing Baltimore playing baseball is not like the travel distance. Um, yeah, it right. Is, it's the, it is it's the cost plus the plus you know what I'm getting out of it as a fan. What's what's the experience really going to be? <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I actually haven't. I haven't been to a game since the pandemic started. Hmm. Um, shit, oh, is it? I think the last game I've I actually went to because I was because before uh, people who follow the podcast will know that uh, in, my, in my previous life I was actually a sports reporter. Um, or yes, a journalist yes. of, of, you know, I was a sports adjacent. Reporter. You were Peter Gammons. Yeah. Uh, and still are. So, so I didn't go to games as fan as a fan much. Um, mm-hmm. I think the last game I actually went to was the empty stadium game in 2015 um, during the Freddie Gray uprising. Ah, yes. Um, which is wild to think about. Because um, that feels like that that was... Was that 2015? That, no, it couldn't have been. It must have been like 2017 or something, right? Freddie Gray? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was 2015. No, it was 2015. Is that Jesus. right? Wow. Yeah. Um, Goodness. I was about to say, I feel like it's been 10 years, and that's because it's been seven years. Um, yeah, so, yeah, no. I'm, the, the Orioles are having some, are making some noise. They're, I, I'd, I'd say they're a lot of fun, but there's like, now that they're calling up kids, uh, Gunnar Henderson uh, just hit his first major league home run in the process of getting his first major league hit. He's a big um, boy. He, he was, yeah. He's he's like one of these Nordic looking guys, um, like that, that have come into vogue recently with the long hair. They look like hockey players, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what's his name? Cindergard is one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and. Yeah, his first major league hit was a was a home run, um, and it's one of those situations. And I, I don't know if we we need sort of need to come with a term for it. When they finally call a guy up that they've been knowingly who's they know has been ready, but they haven't been calling up because of and, money. Yeah, and then he immediately performs, and then they go, "I told you so." This guy, look at this guy is ready. This guy's ready now. It's like motherfucker, he was ready three months ago. There's a German word for that somewhere. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but it's out there. So um, yeah. the team is becoming f- more fun now that guys like Adley Rushman and Gunnar Henderson and um, Kyle Stowers, who was another outfield prospect who's pretty good, he got called up. Um, guys like that are up. Um, but the, st- the team still has too many guys like uh, Rudin Odor 
the mm. uh, the guy who and, and to be fair, Bruno Dor has had some fun moments in his career. He's you may recall the guy who fucking punched um, Jose Bautista. <laughs> Pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and, and what was like what is still like the last actual fight on a major league baseball diamond where the guys were trying to hurt each other with their fists as opposed to doing the hold me back, bro, like yeah, animation yeah. pause. Um, with like hitting the hitting the um, collision barrier between the two of them, you know, <laughs> where they they couldn't actually touch each other with their swing. Oh no no no! They were swinging for the fences on that one. So yeah, the Orioles have been a lot of fun. I, I the Phillies. I saw a stat um, which is kind of tongue in cheek, but also very funny that they've been involved one way or another in thirteen percent of the managerial changes this year. Uh, Interesting. The, the, the changes of 13% of MLB's teams. I think they've been involved in literally every single managerial change. Oh, wow. How about that? Um, their own, the Angels. I think they just have one with the Diamondbacks. <laughs> they're killing it. They're just yeah. they're doing great work. Uh, no, I mean, they've been, they've been fun since Thompson uh, picked up, and I, I sure hope they, they let him, like, really... Uh, I, I sure hope they let them manage, him manage next year, because he... I mean, clearly has turned the team around in a in a really big way. So, I mean, hard hard to not be like kind of having fun with that. Although the last couple of games have been a bummer, but every team has bummer games. So hopefully they pull it out and make it to the postseason. It's been a long time since they've been in the postseason, longer than the Orioles actually. So yeah, kind of kind of weird. Wait, um, is that true? Yep, the longest droughts Jesus. are the Mariners and the Phillies. Fucked up. Yeah, it's messed up. Well. Um, I, I wish them luck against the uh, the powerhouse uh, nationally defining juggernaut that is the New York Mets in that division. It's <laughs> well, totally... we'll see. They've 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 been they've been miserably outclassed by the Mets every time they meet. But you never really know with the interdivisional thing. And you know the nice thing, the last last word I'll say on baseball is the nice thing about it becoming like basketball in the uh, in the whole like you know um, in the whole uh, uh, you know extended playoff thing. Um, is uh, is that in baseball at least things can go a million different ways. <laughs> like, you know, you, you put two teams in a five-game series and any team can win, so it just becomes chaos. So if your team makes it in, at least you have something to watch. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get to... Let's get to the games. Gaming. We're This is like actual gaming news is happening. Like, kind of, yeah. We're well, there's, a, there's, there's trailers, right? Yeah. Gamescom happened. I mean, that's what gaming news is. Like, all right, so there's two kinds of gaming gaming news. Gaming news that is trailers and gaming news that is, like, companies combining and labor actions and people getting fired. Yeah. And frankly, I'm glad that today's episode will be mostly focused around the trailers. I, um, I got to say, it's weird how every game now is trying to sort of, like, bill itself as a Soulsborne. Yeah. Um, I, I understand why. It's just weird to see. I have a theory about that. Okay. So Is it that um, Elden Ring was very successful? Yes. It, part of okay. it is that. Um, but I think that we'd have seen the number of Soulsborns in this Gamescom regardless of Elden Ring's success. Because okay. um, a lot of them are actually older games, that are, um, especially Life of P. Lies of P. Sorry. Um Life of P is is like a it's like a combination that's life with of the pie. That's the yeah. that's the tiger and uh, boat guy thing. Um yeah, so my theory is that the character action, one character action is big right now. Character action being defined as like third person action controls of a dude running around doing moves. But that it's mostly eaten the market share that has just been like so when we saw shooters at Gamescom, they're all these like goofy little dog shit 
like um, offbeat, like one like a card game. I, I, I was sorry, dog shit is mean. Um, things I'm just not interested in, like the the one that's like a third person, that's a first person shooter arena game with like a card game mechanic stapled on top of it. One that's um, a a first person shooter with like uh, Rick and Morty humor stapled on. Oh, top that looks of it. yeah, that looks grim. Yeah, um, and I think the reason that FPS games are like stuck within that sort of tier of presentation at something like Gamescom, while the the main eventers are all these character action games, is because so much of the oxygen in the first person shooter space is taken up by the big military shooters. Sure, and and what 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 little oxygen is left is the is the. Uh like the competing, like the you know the competitive games, like you know your Fortnites or your or your whatevers, right? Like it, it, there there is a there is a um, I don't know. There's a level where you're um, you're forced to kind of seed ground to yeah. anything that has like that big of a twitch um, feel. Yeah. Um, so yeah, though this was a huge huge show for Souls likes. Um, I am excited. I will say a couple of things I'm excited for that aren't Souls likes. Um, obviously, because I'm a huge sicko, I'm excited for Honkai Star Rail. Um, let's go more in the Honkai universe. Uh, best, best gotcha there is. Uh, Genshin Impact could never, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, made by the same company though, and I, I am excited. This is one you'll be excited for too for the uh, Callisto Protocol. Yeah, um, I actually more, have more to dead say space about that. likes. Um, I'm looking forward to it. But what watching that trailer really said to me was, like, one thing you don't really think about when you think about Dead Space is how important the constantly ignored conceit of your guy being an engineer, Mm -hmm. uh, how important that is to the aesthetic of the game. Because even though, like, outside of, like, one or two side missions or, like, you know, area progression puzzles... In the first Dead Space, the fact that um, what's his name, Isaac, Isaac, Isaac is an engineer, doesn't yeah, matter. Right. Like it's completely irrelevant to the yeah. to the plot, yeah. to the story, to all that stuff. But when you don't have a strong visual aesthetic marker like that, and the aesthetic visual marker for him being an engineer is very strong. All of the guns, quote unquote, guns in the game are like repurposed construction equipment. Um, like he's constantly doing physics puzzles type stuff. Right, right. Um, you end up with what Callisto Project has, which is that it sort of feels like later in the show there's an Outlast um, demo, an Outlast trailer. We love and, we love Outlast. We love new Outlast. Hate Outlast. What? Um, <laughs> this I like this, Outlast, but I understand. It yeah, I mean it has the aesthetic of that nineteen ninety nine House on Haunted Hill remake, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, which I don't really prefer. Um, well, I don't prefer I th- that over the Vincent Price, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's it, you know its treatment of gore is ridiculous to the point of of you know where it becomes funny, except that it does also does a lot of sexual like violence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know that's those are two weird those are two flavors that don't do, go together so well for me. Um, and enough. then of co- obviously with the Outlast trials, they're doing this uh, uh, the the philosophy man. I don't need to know about the philosophy. I don't need to hear about uh, about love the it. thoughts you about love the it. brain. Uh, but yeah, but when you get to 
with the what Callisto experiments doing or project or whatever it is, Callisto something rather. Callisto is the word that's important. Um, protocol, Callisto protocol. Uh, what what they're doing, like the guys running around in a prisoner outfit, and there's big like churning spiky gears everywhere for you to throw enemies into. When the enemies are these kind of undifferentiated like. Um, 2010 American butt rock versions of Silent Hill enemies. Right, right. Um, and none of the actual mechanics are that much different from what you'd see in Dead Space. Like, you're not... Dead Space is not lacking in giant thresher uh, environmental objects to throw enemies into. But without the the mediating, like, aesthetic of the engineer doing stuff to fix things, and instead, like, the you are a prisoner who is a rat in my maze... That um, conceit, yeah. which is what yeah. it seems like they're going for, because I, I think they, they brought in um, the voice actor, the voice actor, uh, Troy, Troy Baker. I think it. I think it's Troy. Oh, Baker. the guy, the guy who does um, what's his name? Um, God, uh, the, the guy from um, the, the the Kojima game. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whoever he is, there's going to be a guy who is talking a lot. And he's in everything. Things. This is embarrassing, but he he's in everything. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I can't say that I'm a, a, against or uh, above playing a game that constantly has a guy talking in your ear. I've played all the shock games, and I'll continue to play the shock games uh, as they come out. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've, I've, I, I'm really hoping there is another aesthetic piece that's going to slot into the Callisto Protocol and make it connect in a way that it just hasn't yet with me. Uh, and if it doesn't, well, then we've still got another, like, Dead Space 1 or Dead Space 2 level survival horror banger. Yeah, something's fun. coming. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, okay, cool. Um, so uh, let's talk about the two main games you wanted to talk about, which I, right. I watched the trailers for diligently and very much enjoyed watching. Well, one um, one I just... All right, one, you mentioned one. one. I yeah. watched just for the trailer. I wanted you... I, I, I didn't know how spoiled you'd be going into it. Uh, when how wh- when did you realize what song? No, oh, at the beginning of the thing. Because I, I, I know that riff. Oh, you were... Okay. I, well, it wasn't uh, spoiled. No, no, no. I, I, I knew nothing about it. I just know that riff. I've listened okay. to a lot of dancing. Um. But I was very pleased that they played it all. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie to you. That was I awesome. Was, that was so good. I was so happy. I also realized what it was fairly close in, but I thought it was just going to be instrumental, and then the vocals hit. And, you know, they lost yeah. me there for a second, but when the song... Fa- all right, so what we're talking about is the, the Lord of the Fallen trailer, Lords of the Fallen, which is a reboot of the <laughs> Shameless Souls knockoff Lords of the Fallen without the direct article. Uh, was it was it any good? It was all right. Uh, okay. One one way I've heard described is not like some people said it was underrated, but the, like the the more like it was, people hated it too much. Like it was, um, it was perfectly fine for what it was, but it became synonymous with you know people who don't understand Miyazaki's vision and aren't and don't okay. have the yeah. grasp of the lore. Uh, sure. And storytelling that Dark Souls has doing a Dark Souls knockoff. So it was it was from everything everything I've heard it was a perfectly fine game, kind of uninspired lore, kind of uninspired aesthetic, but it played fine. Um sort of like there there was that space one that people came around on in the second one. The Surge? Uh, the yeah, surge? yeah, yeah. People yeah, people liked this the Surge 2 as I recall. Um, 
so yeah, like Lord, like I I won't say that the um, aesthetic has gotten any more inspired, uh, but I will say that the, <laughs> oh, the, no. the, the storytelling and the humor in that trailer was a lot. Like the point, there's a part where like our hero protagonist with blue energy gets killed by the the villainous guy with red energy, and um, and the song like because the song out. dancing's mother cuts out or goes really really soft. How like I, I gotta say, how could you not enjoy? Someone playing Danzig's mother in a trailer. I don't know it's why a, this hasn't is, happened before. Like it's yeah. it's it's just like an instant. Like okay, I'll buy this game. It is the I'm definition there. of like a cheap pop. It's like yeah, it, you know, it's like when that Thor movie, not the most recent one, but the one that everybody liked, Ragn- um, when Ragnarok, Ragnarok just decided yeah. to make the entire PR push around the fact that we licensed Immigrant Song. <laughs> um, like you, you didn't really need anything else, and there really wasn't too much else to that movie, uh, besides the fact that they they licensed Immigrant Song, and they used it like three times in that movie. They got ah! their money's worth, yeah. Um, like that that song was just Im- that that movie was just Immigrant Song and Jeff Goldblum. That's all that movie was, and you know, it was a good formula, made them a lot of money. Sure did. Um, yeah, I've heard. I haven't heard great things about the follow up, but you know, for yeah, people one time people now, are not a fan of that movie. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, Lords of the Fallen. Um, yeah, they, there's a moment where the guy gets killed in the trailer, and he's and to show you the the revive mechanic, as if you're not familiar with the Souls revive mechanic. <laughs> How weird! There's a revive mechanic in yeah. this. That's funny. Um, or the you know his the bonfire. I think I think what they're trying to say is that. You're carrying because he doesn't actually go to a bonfire. I think what they're saying is our our special twist on it is that you're carrying your revive with you. Right. It's um, like a little lantern. Lantern. It's, I like how, you, lantern. it's how you steal the bad guy's souls and how you, yeah. um, and how you also, um, you know, take the, you know, your life yeah, back. Yeah. 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 Uh, which is very interesting because that's just like getting rid of the one thing that makes a Soulsborne a Soulsborne. Right. Um, and just makes it a third-person character action game. Uh, but I'll be interested to see what they do with it. Um, but yeah, as, as he comes back to life uh, and the Lantern you know, fills his health bar back to full, Mother ret- starts blasting at 110% volume again. As he goes back it's to so good. Her. It's, it's, it's a so very great. good trailer. I like I hated myself just like I was like I'm digging I'm di- I have a tweet up like I'm digging the vibes of this of this uh, dark fantasy world but I don't get why they're using this mother song to and then like next tweet is all right yeah all right I'm on board <laughs> I'm, I'm on board because yeah. it, because like Danzig basically like there's a there's a way in which Danzig sure there's you know the history of the misfits and all you know yeah, yeah there's like a it's a punk band from Lodi there's all that going on but. Also, Danzig totally um, wrote his songs with the with the hope, especially as Danzig and and Sawin or Samhain or however they say it, um, with the hope that eventually there would be some sort of uh, high fantasy video game that <laughs> or or movie or something that would use all of their all of his stuff. I mean, that um, is the. I mean, whether you knew whether you knew it or not, that is the apex for that kind of band from that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I really like yeah. that. Um, I have oh, no idea too. how it'll play. Um, I don't, who cares? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, honestly, who cares? There's it, a- it, I'll, I'll play it just, again, because they, because they did that, I'll play the game. I will absolutely play the game. There's a bunch of cool stuff, like, in the middle ground here that, like, had trouble differentiating itself for me, like uh, the Scars Above game, which is I've I feels like over that one. 
Yeah, that it feel. Remember that? Um, shit, why can't I remember his name? PS Five exclusive launch title. Um, shoot, third person shooter based, run based, roguelike. Um, conceived as your female character, astronaut, space person, crashes into. A, oh yeah. Um, I do. God. Um, I'm sure I can. Wonder if I can actually get it by PS Five launch titles. It was there, technically a launch title. There were like three, so. Bug Snacks was one of them. It was not that. Was, <laughs> not, the game not I'm bug thinking snacks. of is not Bug Snacks. <laughs> but I what if it was? <laughs> what um, this paper assumes is. Sackboy. It was not Sackboy. Um, <laughs> Imagine if it was Sackboy. <laughs> We're searching for this live on the air because it's going to fucking bother me. People are I... loving this. People are just, like, eating this up. Please, John and Trevor, um, just hit me with more Say something to fill time. Um, I, uh, what, did you, what did you like from that you did see on here? Oh, um, I'm excited for the, um, I mean, listen, this is the, you know, real news, news at 10, like, uh, Dog bites man stuff for me to say this, but I'm very excited for the new Monkey Island. I think that's really mm. cool. Oh, I um, like the, the visual style for that. Yeah, it's very cool. It's it, it's really nice. It's like a nice mix between, you know, the old stuff and then also the uh, the reboots, which I thought were were, were really interesting too. Um, and uh, I also think it's uh, I mean, I'm, I'm you know I am legitimately excited for Hunkai Star Rail, but no one wants to hear about that. Um, I'm also excited about uh, to see what they do with. Um, the Dune, the Dune MMO. That looks great. Uh, which, I was making fun of that. Um, like, listen, if 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 it pulls it off, I will absolutely play it and enjoy it. Isn't it? Um, isn't it being done by a, a veteran MMO team squad thing? Is it? That's that's what someone said. I'm not an MMO person, so I had no hmm. idea. Um, I'm not taking a break from my first. Google search. <laughs> look at my second Google search. I just gotta let you do all the Google searches, so we don't have yeah. two uh, two typings. Yeah, seems like the right way to go. Um, it's well, it's from Funcom, um, but that like Funcom is like forty fucking studios. Mm-hmm. Of um, course. Yeah, I, I for so. I, Someone was telling me that it's by people who did another MMO that was generally well received, um, and oh, the Conan MMO—that's what. It oh, was. okay, yeah, people like that game. Um, and that you know it, that and, and maybe uh, you know you can't t- trust people on Twitter um, for any reason. No, but uh, assuming that person is correct and is the Conan Conan MMO team that's doing the work on it, um, I, I don't. I believe you'll be allowed to hang dong in um, the excuse me in the Dune game, <laughs> but um, you know maybe, maybe most of the other stuff is, is allowed in there. Um, I, I what I what I what it said to me was that maybe someone thinks or has been told or has been indicated that the Dune series is going longer than two movies. <laughs> it's an MMO. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> that's coming out. I mean that thing's not going to launch until. The second movie's almost ready. Um, I mean, it's still TBA. We don't have a we don't have a firm launch date on that thing. I can't imagine. I mean, I I, I don't want to be like a a naysayer here, but can you actually imagine them doing like 
God Emperor Dune. Returnal! Returnal is the name of the game. Oh, yeah, okay, Returnal. Wow. Um, that was not worth the payoff. I have to tell you. We'll get back to part it. Of, part of the difficulty there was how you were describing Returnal. Look, I was not wrong. Run and gun astronaut just, lady. I was just, was you know, extremely Returnal. vague. I mean, look. You want to look up the, the, the box art for, for Eternal. It's got a lady in an astronaut suit. Mm. Um, she crashes a ship. Because uh, I haven't played it because I don't have a PS5, but I watched Jeff Gerstmann play it, and he wasn't very happy with it. Um, and he, and which is you know. quite a review. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, so lady crashes her ship, and then you, you do roguelike runs until you get bored of the game. Um, uh, and then m- m- the progression didn't look very good. Um, but sure, let's let's sure. talk about Dune. Um, oh, what we always. know about Dune. But yeah, no, like there's been like the second Dune movie is coming in two years, three years, and obviously uh, Denis Villeneuve or Villeneuve or however the fuck you say it, he's French Canadian. I don't know how to pronounce that, that shit. Villeneuve. Um, yeah. Villeneuve. Um, Villeneuve. Um, he said he wants to do a third one. Um, Impressive. Like. The the weird like obviously the the question with Dune is how far do you go into Frank Herbert's fucked up weird mind before you have to, before you have to like stop making the movies because they're gonna do they're gonna do giant worm Paul yeah I think that is I think that everyone thinks a lot of people think I'm not a I'm not a big Dune head but um I I, I share a lot of internet space with people who are sure. Uh, and they think uh, Giant Worm Paul is the is the point where you, you have to get to that point and then very little further. <laughs> yeah. He is absolutely the Rubicon. You cannot cross, cannot cross Giant Worm Paul and live. Like it yeah. is, you know, you're not going to do like you truly will not do a movie version of God Emperor Dune. It, like it just it won't happen. Like there's. Well, if you do do it, it has to be the last one. <laughs> you're not getting. You're not getting one after it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> ten thousand years past. Uh, God, doing so weird. Yeah. Um, um, but so yeah. Uh, I'll play it though. I like MMOs a lot, and um, I would be more than happy to play a Dune MMO. I don't know if I would like it. Um, oh, I'm stupid as shit. Like the the um, the, the site that that collects all the trailers. Um, that, uh-huh. we're, that we're using for reference here literally ha- says in the scars above description a challenging sci-fi third-person shooter set in a mysterious alien world. The trailer gives off some hefty Returnal vibes. <laughs> if I just fucking read, yeah, um, I dis- oh. It's not actually set on a mysterious alien world though. The um, the conceit seems to be that uh, a giant pyramid, inverted pyramid, has appeared in the sky above this above Earth, um, and you are basically doing contact. Uh, but with guns, sure. Um, where you get tra- transported into the giant pyramid and have to clear levels and uh, incrementally build your your the power of your gun and shit like that. Um, I you know I I think we've been seeing stuff for Scars Above for a while. Um, in one way or another, I, that or I'm uh, again misremembering Returnal stuff. But uh, this one, yeah, that looks like it could be a lot of fun. Um, there were and then there were the other character action ones like the the one that was whole, whose whole thing was like sand physics. Did you see that one? No, I think what's it's that Atlas one? Atlas Fallen or Fallen Atlas or Fallen Atlas. Okay, um, there are a lot. Like I'm honestly know, a little yeah. surprised. It's weird. There's there a are, Sonic one that looks fun actually. Mm-hmm. Atlas um, Fallen, yeah, is, is the name of it. Um, okay, yeah, that's sand mechanics. It's uh, it's actually oh, from it's the from, Surge. It's from the people yeah. who did the Surge. We were just yeah. talking about them. Um, and you know. 
I wasn't a huge fan of how The Surge felt as a game, but mostly because it felt too clunky and slow, which, one, if you're playing a Souls-like, you are uh, an, an original Souls-like, like a Dark Souls 1 or Dark Souls 2 era Souls-like, a Demon Souls era Souls-like. Uh, slow and clunky is precisely how the combat is going to be set up. It yep. is essentially a turn-based... Like, it's like real-time with pause, except without the pause. It is a turn-based game happening in real-time. Correct. Um, but uh, yeah, one, once you once you add in like sand running and sand skimming into the mix, that 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 is significant potential, especially because it looked like they're doing stuff with geography. Like um, the the story of the trailer is that um, pretty narrator lady who is one of the protagonist class with sand wizards, you know, running around with hook blades and uh, you know skating on sand and stuff, and then a masked guy who I assume is our protagonist that you'll be setting up and controlling, um, are escorting a caravan across this wasteland um, desert world that is also a post-apocalypse. And what they do is the caravan needs to get across a bridge, but the bridge has collapsed. Mm-hmm. So you, your protagonist character, does his sand thing, and, and the st- sand gets the stones up out of the ground and rebuilds the bridge Okay. for the caravan to go across. That's fine. And this, of course, attracts the attention of sand monsters, who you then have to fight and defeat. I mean, and that is that is in that in a large enough gameplay area that is a gameplay loop. Yeah, that's that fun. Is a gameplay, yeah, you, that you can do and you can have fun with. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, Telltale is back. Oh yeah, um, it's with the Expanse. I like the Expanse. Who is get who? Who is running Telltale these that days? That I do not know. Because I remember uh, we've talked about the they, fallout yeah, they died. of Telltale. They got like uh, yeah. Someone are they being puppeted around like um, like a zombie body by one of these um, like holding companies? I mean, it's possible, but it looks like a Telltale game. Yeah. So like, if if it is in fact that, then they're doing a good job of puppeting. Um. So you know that looks like one of those. I'm not an expanse. I I need to get into the expanse. Like I've been putting off watching the expanse for literal years now. Like almost I half should, a decade you read now. The Expanse, or, or you know what? I like it. I listened to it on audiobook when I was traveling uh, mm-hmm. more. Like back, I was taking the train from the suburbs to Chicago, and uh, I really liked it. Um, I haven't. I, I think I'm like two books behind at this point, but it's uh, it's a it's a very enjoyable sci-fi series. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I, it's just been something I've been putting off and putting off and putting off and putting off. Um. There's weird song. Which it was just a trailer. It was just a here's some, here's a fucked up fantasy world. We're not really saying anything about how this game works yet. Okay. Um, yeah. I never I never care about trailers like that because like inevitably it, all it means to me is well this game just might not come out. Yeah. <laughs> we just might never see it again. And then that's um, fine. You know. But then there was Killer Clowns from Outer Space. The game. Just like I know, I'm supposed to think like that's fun and kitschy, and I just don't care. We're really scraping the bottom of the barrel <laughs> with these these horror properties. Yeah, like um, and I don't know. Are we are we really getting a lot out of like the Friday the Thirteenth game? Did we really like? Do we really I, I, feel on some level we like you know cracked the code with that one? Or I what? just don't understand. He's playing these things because I talk to people who have played them. Apparently, I mean, they wouldn't be getting all of this attention and post-launch support. And oh, yeah, if they weren't so, making they money. Weren't making money. But everyone I talk to who plays them says, oh, yeah, after, like, 20 hours with this shit, it's unbearable. Um, yeah. because the game, Because be? the game is a solved loop, and you just have 
you know, packs of of high level metagaming survivor like the the because asymmetric, asymmetric multiplayer never really ends well or really survives first contact with a player fan base. No, absolutely not. And um, I, I think like you know the 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 thing about the thing about um, I don't know the thing about any game like that or like Dead by Dawn or whatever, right? Is like um, not Dead by Dawn. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but whatever. Like, you ultimately... It's until just, Dawn? Uh, no, that's no, not until, it. Um, I think Dead by Dawn is the correct one. Until okay, Dawn yeah, is yeah, the yeah. third, is the, um, like, um, heavily narrative one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. No, I'm thinking of Dead by Dawn. Dead by Daylight. Dead, Dead by, by Daylight. Daylight, thank you. Um, Dead by Dawn is the uh, is the um, Evil Dead 2 subtitle. Mm. Uh, Dead by Dawn! Dead by Dawn! Uh, is yeah. what the guy in Evil Dead says. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, like... It, the thing about it is, like, ultimately all you're waiting for is the new, like, scary guy pack to drop. Yeah. And it's like, is this, is and this it's really, really weird where I'm at? that like, the killer clowns weren't in the scary guy pack. Like, this, the killer clowns feel like they should be licensed somewhere. I mean, I guess they're kind of a non-traditional slasher in that there's, like, a lot of these stupid weirdos that suck, as opposed to one really big, bad, lumbering stupid weirdo who sucks. Yeah, um, sure. I mean, I'm not, a, obviously, from... Uh, what I've been saying, I, I'm not a huge slasher guy, but even like among the, my slasher fans, I, I I've never gotten the impression that the Killer Clowns are all that respected. Not it's even a, like in a Rocky Horror cult classic sense. It, it's I mean it's a cult movie. Like that's that's all it is. It's it's a it's a it's a, a silly thing that people will watch because it's there. And like yeah. you know we all saw it on VHS things in like Walmart or whatever. And it's like oh fun. Like I remember I remember that goofy movie. And that's that's it. You know like yeah. it's not. You would have to imagine they were doing something different, right, to make it work. Yeah. And there is no chance this is anything but a cash-in. So, yeah, uh, yeah pass. Um, there was the something I'm, like, I, I assume that, like, I'm, like, the one of the only people that's still interested in this fucking game because it just won't come out. Uh, the Batman game without Batman. Uh, oh yeah, games. like the, uh, the the one where it's like all the all the bat kids all or the whatever. Kids, yeah, I am I am one of the world's largest bat fa- like bat family marks. Like if you like, I will be like if you just made Robin and Batgirl and like that sort of stuff without Batman hanging around. If like he, he like he was like it was like peanuts and like you know how the adults never show up. If Batman only showed up as like an adult with the, wah, the wah, 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 wah. yeah yeah yeah. Um, like I'd be perfectly happy with that. Um, obviously, as someone who is that invested in the Bat Children, like I then think that most of the takes on the Bat Kids in this game are kind of basic and lame. Sure. Um, but like you know, like so. What you're not you're like not going to play a spoiler like that? that is that? Yeah. Is that well, what I mean, I, I, uh, uh, spoiler isn't in the game. Sadly, what? Um, they've gone with the most basic Bat Family lineup possible. How are you going to do a Bat Family game without? Spoilers? This is what I'm saying. Um, so the Bat Fam- so the lineup is obviously Nightwing, Dick Grayson, then Jason to Todd, who is Red Hood, and then and, uh, what's his name, Tim Drake. The actual Robin is Tim Drake. He should have been Damien. Uh, Damien Wayne is the. Oh, son I hate of, that. Oh, Damien Wayne sucks. I, I as Damien Wayne's biggest fan, um, that little shithead. The, 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 here's the problem. I if you have Tim and Dick in the same game, one of them has to be a shithead, like because otherwise they're the same exact character. Well, that is true. You make a good um, point. Like so, like so, like 
the, the, the problem the Robins had, the first three Robins, Tim, uh, Jason, and uh, Dick, is that they're all the same guy. <laughs> like, they were all intended to be the same guy. Well, Jason they, wasn't. Jason was always no. meant to be, like, sort of the... Dick and uh, no, and no, Tim. he wasn't. When yes, he Jason was. was originally introduced, he was an exact clone of Dick Grayson. But they make him. They make it. And into then sort of like everyone and fucking hated him. Yeah, okay. yeah. But I'm talking like back in '88. 87, 88. He wasn't. He was I thought he was still kind of a bad boy back no, then too. No, like his original, like because they didn't do like they didn't do the 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 huge int- the, the huge like origin story stuff with him. He oh. just showed up one day. <laughs> like he just showed up. It was creepy. He just showed up one day, and it was like they were drawing him exactly like Dick Grayson. He had the same outfit. He had the same personality. They just <laughs> called him Jason. And they realized that wouldn't fly eventually. Yeah. Like yeah, people course, were like, yeah. what, what's going on here? So they added in the. Um, the 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 hard luck orphan kid thing, and that was that origin story edition was like part of his death, because um, people may famously know um, that uh, they voted on whether Jason Todd would live or die, and I still believe this vote was rigged. Um, sure, well that's, that's a classic. Yeah, theory. like so, like this is back in like eighty nine or ninety. Uh, so the way that you run a poll here is that you have two hotlines you call. And, you know, someone's tabulating by hand the vo- the votes, uh, which is, like, the easiest system to rig ever. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, like, it's not, it's not like, the, it's uh... not like, yeah, it's not like they have a, a public, a public-facing vote counter. It's not even like they have Twitter bots or anything. Like, you can just say the votes were whatever you want them to be. Ah, shoot. Um, I just counted them all, and it looks like Jason Todd dies. Just yeah. Trust me. So, obvious, so the, the, the story goes, both in comics and in, um... In terms of DC editorial, they do a um, a storyline where Jason becomes a bad boy who won't listen to uh, to Batman um, after the Joker kills his mother and father. I believe both of them. Um, he kills both of them. Uh, jo- uh, t- uh, Jason goes after them. Um, Joker beats the shit out of him with a crowbar while he's tied up um, in a piece of imagery that would just be buried into the consciousness of like i it it's like one of those jokes where like whenever whenever jason's on screen there's always a crowbar meaningfully somewhere in the background <laughs> yeah um yeah. he's always he's always beating joker like his, his first um storyline back because the guy he brought, he brought it took a while back was, yeah well what happened was uh captain america ed brubaker was writing captain america and he brought back bucky Mm-hmm. And with the Winter Soldier plotline that everybody loved and has been a cornerstone, like a, a pillar. Oh, yeah. Of, that's a a load bearing pillar of the yeah. captain of the modern Captain American mythos uh, ever since. And people loved that Winter Soldier storyline. And DC's like, all right, fine. We'll do the same thing. And they did. And it sucked ass. Um, very good. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Jason Todd, his handling, he like, it was worth bringing Bucky back for the stories they got from Bucky. Jason Todd probably should have stayed dead. Um, you know, and, but I thought and that, you were like the world's biggest Jason Todd dude. I'm I'm not a huge Jason. I like him better than most people. Um, okay. but Jason Todd has not had a great publication history. Um, there are pe- the pe- the only people who are doing really great things with Jason Todd are uh, fanfic authors who are writing uh, things children shouldn't read uh, on uh, that that archive uh, of whatever Ao3 or whatever it's called. Uh, the fan fiction author is the only people who have eaten well from Jason Todd's return. Because hmm. um, he loves having sex with Bruce Wayne. 
I, I think it's actually the straights. The straights like Jason Todd more. Like he's oh, okay. he's he's always he's he's um like it's still problematic because he's having sex with like villainesses or whatever. But I, I think Jason Todd is, is the be- is like he because like, because Bruce because all all the Robins are usually are usually for for slash fiction, and Jason Todd's the one who's allowed to be straight. Um, I, I I actually don't really understand the scene, so if I've like offended like fifteen people for not understanding, I'm gonna the, be so mad if you if you if you got yeah. me in trouble. <laughs> if I if I if I've disrespected the the great um, uh, Jason Dick a shipping scene, um, I apologize. But uh, yeah, so the, the the basic rundown is all three of these guys are kind of the same, and they've spent the last ten to twenty years trying to differentiate them out a bit. Um, and the problem with Tim is that he and Dick are, are really close to being the same guy, and that they're super responsible, uh, kind of shitty little rich boys. Um, mm-hmm. Like Dick gets. Uh, at least has that because like, the the question is: Are you going to bring up the fact that that Dick is a giant slut? Because he is like the, Jake, like Dick Grayson's main thing in the comics is that he is constantly sleeping around. Yeah. Um. And Tim Drake doesn't have that. Tim Drake is like one of the most annoying. Uh, Tim Drake was written by uh, right wingers for like twenty five years. He had Chuck Dixon, who is currently doing like comics about how Hillary should be put in jail. Uh, yeah. Created him or didn't create him? Alan. Uh, he like. Took over him like a couple years into Dick Grace, uh, Tim Drake's existence as a character, and basically wrote him for like twelve to thirteen years. And then there was a brief period where a bunch of indie guy writers handled him for, you know, did various stuff at the behest of DC editorial because there was a period of time when every Batman book was just part of an endless event cycle. Right. If you follow right. comic books, you you know um, how bad superhero event comics got in, like, that late 90s, 2000s period, uh, and Batman was no exception. Uh, and then Bill Willingham took over. Bill Willingham, uh, the guy behind Fables, um, famous, hard right-wing um, political guy. Uh, but he also loves porn. Loves porn. Um, put all of his feelings about Israel into, his, into Fables. Uh, there's, like, an issue that talks about how uh, the Fables are actually Israelis, um, who have had their homeland stolen from them. It's really great. He's a great dude. Uh, so, so so, Tim's thing is he's kind of boring. Like, he's had plot lines where he... Like, Tim... Uh, Chuck Dixon wrote a plot once where his high school... Gr- where Tim's high school girlfriend came over, and after Tim came back from a night of crime fighting, uh, he found his high school girlfriend in his bed wearing nothing but his shirt. Um, and Tim, being a moral, upstanding... Man of values, Frog marched her right back to her father. Like like we all would. Yeah, told her told told that hussy to put on her clothes and sent her back home, and you know, drove her back to uh, her dad. Uh, and that is not the only time that he has like you know had scenes where Tim talks with a love interest's dad about um, how crazy these women are out in these streets. Um, there is yeah, it's it's. It, it, the the right wing guy uh, there, there there's there was an abortion plot line well not an abortion plot line a a pro life plot line where um, spoiler who we mentioned earlier she was uh, Stephanie Brown uh, spoiler her gimmick is that she's the son of a Riddler knockoff named Clue Master um, and her gimmick is that she's incompetent um, in the comics it's played a lot better she's like a she's a relatable character she's a slice of life character she's 
someone who doesn't have like all of the money and the training to be a superhero or and and isn't like a weird freak like Tim is who is like doing this 20 hours a day and barely getting any sleep um and applying like you know top tier um heart trying to get into Harvard pick me energy to the superhero profession, uh, which you know, Dick uh, for all of, for all of his many faults, faults, Dixon was not afraid to portray, and and William uh, and Bill. Uh, why has I forgotten his name? Willingham. Willingham. Yeah, I was thinking Williamson. It's not Williamson. Uh, the thing about uh, Dixon and Willingham were not afraid to portray Tim as a fucking nerd. Um, so she was like the relatable, normal girl who. Like when he was, he would miss an obvious thing because he was so far up his own asshole with his analytics and his nerd shit. And she'd be like, "We could just simply do this, and that would work." Um, so she was fun and relatable in, in that sense. But it was always a very big case of um, you always sort of felt that Tim only kept her around because she made him feel smart. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, she gets into a plot line where her ex boyfriend knocks her up, um, and it's a very clear case of. Oh, dad isn't around at home. Um, you know, this was my previous relationship when I was out there running wild before I, you know, settled down and became a superhero and started living right. Um, and she keeps the baby, of course, because the actual the message of this is that um, you know abortion is wrong and you can always just put the baby up for adoption. Uh, thanks, Chuck. Uh, and you know he got and he got this through the editors. Um, so yeah, that's that's the sort of politics that Tim Drake has always sort of been involved in until those guys got out of the company and I, you know he's now now Tim's just kind of a, a guy who hangs out um you know everyone likes his girlfriends more than him um Bobby. and that and, you know and so this is a long way of saying it's very weird that he is the guy who is he was the robin in this game because he's obviously playing like he's playing that straight a nerd kid he is the gadget boy. He is the, um, um, you know, the, the little brother to the the two big brothers who are polar opposites. Like Dick is obviously the the um, the guy who is who followed all the rules and wants to follow in their father figure's footsteps. And Jason Todd is the guy who rebelled and doesn't think that that guy, you know, you know, has a complicated relationship with him and doesn't really, you know, didn't really respect the way he did things, but still is sad he's dead, that sort of thing. Right. Um, and then Batgirl is just, uh, Barbara Gordon is just kind of there to be... Barbara Gordon. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming they're not... <sighs> so Barbara Gordon has dated, like, everyone involved in, in various timelines. Barbara Gordon has been um, romantically attached to uh, Dick Grayson, in uh, and then recently referred to obliquely at least in comics from like the mid 2010s Jason Todd um and then also obviously of course Batman himself mm-hmm. in some really really you know stuff that we you know places places that Alan Moore and um Alan Moore wishes he hadn't gone and I guess Bruce Tim and Paul Dini Wish less that they hadn't gone there because it is actually um, canon in the D- in the uh, Batman and Justice League cartoons that uh, Batman sleeping with Batgirl is what ended the Bat Family as a concept. Um, it, that's the setup for Bat- uh, the Batman Beyond show. Actually, um, is that uh, Dick Grayson walked in on uh, Batman and Batgirl and left. 
he retired, you know, Nightwing, done. I am retiring from being a superhero. Um, that upset, and, you know, Barbara Gordon retired shortly after that, joined the, the cops, became police commissioner like her father. Um, Tim Drake just left as well. Uh, he, like, retired to, like, to become, he's like a, he's like a moisture farmer or something, like, because Batman Beyond takes place in a, in a cyber dystopia. So he's, like, out there repairing, like, the giant farming robots that do, um, uh, you know, macro farming to provide food for the debauched inner cities uh, as all the population um, congregates and the climate collapses in a uh, few. Batman Beyond is is very dystopic. It's very good, actually, if, if you haven't watched it. I, haven't uh, realized, I, realized, I didn't realize they did so much with all the other characters. I knew they, they revealed did. a couple, but that's, that's uh, cool. Yeah, it's like... So most of Batman Beyond, the first season, is... Because ba- the, the thing about Batman Beyond is it's a Spider-Man show, actually. Terry McGinnis, the guy, the the Batman, is more or less has Spider-Man's mobility and power set and general attitude, um, and he just has Bruce Wayne in his ear complaining all the time. Right. Um, And so most of the first season, um, they don't really talk about any of that backstory at all. You just like they'll just be in the um, in the Batcave and all the. Uh, the costumes of all the dead and departed heroes from the Bat family will be lined up. He'll be like, wonder what happened to them? And we don't ever really find out what happened to them until, like, season two and some other stuff uh, in the Return of the Joker movie, which was so... I don't want to say it was, like, hardcore fucked up because, like, I, I think it's around the level of, like, animation for adult audiences that we see now. But when they did the Return of the Batman movie... Like they had, they had to cut the first uh, ten minutes down down for the TV broadcast because the first ten minutes are a visibly like thirteen to fifteen year old Tim Drake getting tortured on screen by mm. the Joker, um, and like basically being like you know uh, like electrocuted, waterboarded, um, Joker fied, the cool uh, stuff. Yeah, all, all, all a lot of fun times. Like real. This is why um, I think in in the, that is all. That is also a reason that that is why obviously he stopped. Tim Drake in particular stopped being Robin. It's not why the Bat family broke up, but that was like one of the inciting incidents for things starting to fall apart. Was the fact that uh, this fifteen-year-old that um, Batman for some reason allowed to run around playing superhero without any real supervision um, got tortured on national television. Um, so, yeah, th- this game will not have anything as meaningful as that. Well, no. Um, yeah, that, that, that goes without saying. I mean, you're, you're sort of, and we can, we can pivot to the games we're playing in a second, like after this, because yeah. the, the people uh, you, are you let me go for like 20 minutes on Batman. <laughs> people like that. I, I, yeah. I found that people like when you go long on Batman. Okay. Um, well, fair enough. You know, I don't it, listen. I who am I to gainsay the people? I apologize if I got any any details wrong. Oh, in, I'm sure we'll be hearing from people what you did uh, because I mostly stopped reading DC Comics in 20, 2009, 2010, um, and have not regretted that decision since. Um, <laughs> you're not you're not a big like Dark Joker universe guy now. Oh my fucking god! No, no we're, we won't. We won't. Uh, but I, I will say. Um, what I say. I don't remember. Oh yeah, well, you're sort of getting. I mean, you're sort of getting into the the, the problems that you would encounter with the um, with the Arkham games, where like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, like it's 
it's Batman, all right. It's just also like it's not exactly Batman. It doesn't deal yeah. with some of the. Then you know you sort of get you get video game world Batman. And the then, the know, Arkham games okay. work for me because they're an outright fat um, like fever dream. Like mm-hmm. Bruce, this is Bruce Wayne's fascist fever dream, and and Batman isn't always a fascist. Um, Batman, as he's normally um, formulated as a warlord, he's he, he's far right. He's an authoritarian far right, but he his his right wing politics are are very very old and pre fascist formulation. But the Arkham games, that is just like I, it's like he's mainlining the specific propaganda of the early 20th century fascists right. about crime and cities and moral decay and all of that stuff. Um, and, you know, and I've always said Batman is a warlord. He's not a warlord in the in the Dark Knight, in the Arkham games, because he refuses to have lieutenants he delegates to. Correct. And that is a big part of warlordism, is that the Bat family, those kids, aren't, they're not there to like be his replacement family a lot of the times. They're be they're there to be the people that he tr- closely trusts to delegate tasks to, and has the ability to harm if they betray him, which he does a decent amount. Like there's a lot of Batman punching Robins through displays, or you know you know decking. Like he threw a, a bat a batarang into Jason's neck. When Jason came back, he, you know, threw uh, Dick Grayson through the memorial display to Jason uh, back in Bruce Wayne Murderer when, you know, the Bat family was like, hey, did you kill your girlfriend? And he was like, I don't know, maybe. Why are you asking? This is a test. Um, oh, yeah. Have I complained about Bruce Wayne Fugitive Murderer? You have. You have. You have. Okay. You have. Um, don't worry. You, you, okay. this, this, this is this has all happened before. This has all happened again, before. Yes. Um but yeah, um, I gotta cut you off there because we're gonna talk right. about Batman forever, um, and that's okay. But we both you you need to you need to pretend that you're not watching uh, news about wrestling. Um, yes. So uh, what are you playing these days, John? I have been playing Stone Shard. Stone um, Shard, interesting. Which is okay. an early access. It's currently an early access. It's been early access for a while. It's one of those games that's um, it's a playable game. Like it is a. Uh, it's a fantasy, turn, uh, turn-based, uh, sort of survival, but it's not. Doesn't really. It has survival mechanics, but it's more about adventuring, like as a, it's, instead of being like a base building or a um, you know a, a crafting game or a um, you know a, a, a really an exploration game because there are, there is exploration elements to it, but it's. Um, it's really more of a, an adventuring game where you are a low power level, like mercenary in a fantasy world. It's very Teutonic and German inspired. Okay, um, and it's uh, it's a sprite game, very very beautiful sprite art. Uh, it takes place on a grid, so if you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons Fourth Edition, that's basically what you're looking at here. Um, and since we never got an actual Dungeons and Dragons Fourth Edition video game. Um, I'm glad that we've got something like this sitting around the market space. Totally. Uh, brutally difficult. Uh, you can only save when you sleep, and you can only sleep on in, in beds at inns, at campsites you discover in the world. You, uh, as of yet, you can't actually build any any campsites, any permanent uh, encampments, but you can find them dotted all over the map. Um, you know, there's there's food and water mechanics you know, if, so you can starve and die of dehydration. Um, 
And if you die, obviously you lose all progress. There is no autosave back to your last save. Uh, so it is actually like a, like you, you actually can spend skill points in like a skill that allows you to build, uh, to craft um, bedrolls to give you access to like a single save out in the wilderness. And the bedroll takes up like a third of your inventory <laughs> space. Um, the bedroll is huge. Pretty good. Um, yeah, and you know, there's a lot of inventory management. You know, what can you carry? What can you not? What can you do without? Um, magic is in the game, but it's you know, it's still very much. It, it's still also very much like D and D, where you know, wizards are actually still the best. Mm -hmm. um, ma right. Magic is still the way you want to go in Stone Shard, although it's a, it, but you know, positional fighters and archers are a lot better um, than they would be in say you know a third edition or a game or something like that where you know the the wizards are getting access to spells that basically change the entire nature of a battle while fighters get access to being able to slightly better swing a sword um there's a lot of positional <laughs> sure. like like there's a lot of positional abilities like the ability to uh immobilize stun knock down foes shields are very important like there's an entire skill tree for using your shield huh. um it's a very fun little game. It's a very difficult little game. It's what I've been playing while I listen to podcasts. Okay. Yeah. Um, Need those. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it actually it, it fully releasing because the writing in it is is fairly decent too. Oh, good. Nice. Okay. I'll check that out. Yeah. Um, I've been on my, my Final Fantasy fourteen uh, grind recently, uh, which has been good. It's a nice thing to do when I am frustrated about work or something like that. Um <laughs> But outside of that, uh, I've been get, trying to get back into uh, the Yakuza games. I really have been mm -hmm. enjoying Yakuza 0 um, and the way that it talks about politics in a way that, like, a lot of American uh, games might not necessarily. Uh, it's pretty interesting that way. Um, I think, like, the way it discusses, like, land values in Japan, not to, you know, get off on any nerdy tangents or whatever, but I think that in that era of Japan is really yeah, smart. Yeah, I did. I installed that, and I did play the first couple hours before getting distracted with something else. Like, the entire plot's based around a guy getting killed in a, in a, in a vacant lot, mm -hmm. and the vacant lot part being really important, right? Yeah, yeah. As you, as you find out in the game, I mean, this isn't a terrible spoiler. Uh, you find this out within, like, the first hour or so, but as you find out, this, like, one patch of land is essentially the thing in uh, your, your, you know, the, the, the area that everyone wants because it's like the only undeveloped land. Um, and that, that's interesting for pre-crash Japan because of course that was the, 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 the was, what was going on in pre-crash Japan. So pretty cool to have a game around it. And also it's just the writing and the side quests and everything. It's just, it's a, it's a treat. So yeah, if you haven't played any Yakuza games, I, uh, I, I strongly recommend it. They are, uh, they're very fun. Cool. Uh, I've also started playing. Uh, this is a preview for next week. I've also started playing the Spider-Man PC port. Oh boy! Um, so I will have much more comics shit to complain about next. Some week. mod news coming on. John is playing as nude Spider-Man and yes. is going to complain that he doesn't show up in the comics nearly enough. Exactly. Um, well, I'm excited for that. I can. Well, actually, Batman and Spider-Man are the two I can speak most on. So this is this is good news for me. Um, John, where can people find you? Um, I'm on Twitter most of the time. I still do reviews for Goonhammer uh, when I have the time to write them. I've been dealing with some real-world stuff the past couple months, so I haven't been as active there as I usually have been, but uh, that is, should be um, cycling back up soon. Excellent. Very good. All right. Well, 
we will hopefully see you again next week. This time, I am uh, very much looking forward to doing more with uh, with all of us at um, at uh, Patch Notes. So this is uh, this is good. I'm glad we're doing it again, and uh, all the better for next week. Talk to you then, right. buddy. Good night.